Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Attention pro athletes. Want to secure your financial legacy and thrive off the field? Oak Bridge Wealth Management, led by wealth manager Chris Anasetti, is your dedicated financial planning ally. But don't take it from me. Take it from the Dallas Cowboys' Tyler Biotish. He says, Chris set goals financially and has been incredibly impactful in my journey in the NFL. Experience our customized, comprehensive approach, trusted by top NFL players. Don't leave your financial success to chance. Connect with Chris on Instagram at OakbridgeWM underscore Anaceti. That's OakbridgeWM underscore A-N-I-C-E-T-E. And let Oakbridge Wealth Management guide you across the goal line. Welcome back to the Believe in Badgers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Once again, I'm Matt Perkins, joined, as always, by Badger legend, the Hebrew Hammer himself, Matt Ernstein. You can see this over here. Bernie, how are we doing Damn, today? Damn, Bryson is just like jacked in the window, but I don't look jacked in the window. I look fat. Look at this thing. Um, dude, listen, Matt Perkins, every day with you on the podcast is a holiday uh, I'm jacked up, Bryson, because I just did my 700th class at Orange Theory. Okay, be very good. So long, you know, it's a lot. But um, Matt Perkins said, "Why don't we do 700 podcasts?" And I'm like, "Well, let's do it." We're not. We're like at what 120 something, uh, like 135 ish now. I want to say. But every single one of those has been stellar, and Bryson, I don't think you're not going to be stellar. I think you're going to be amazing, just off of what we've been chatting about. Also, you looked. Jacked, bro. What are you? You're a D lineman. How are you so sh- like cut up? Um, well, one, I appreciate it. I mean, I've been I've been seeing you guys do this kind of podcast stuff pretty recently, honestly. Uh, you guys have been popping up in my feed recently. You guys do a great job, you know, not just getting all the, the star athletes that were there, but also just different insights from wide range of people. I think you guys do a great job. Um, so thank you, thank you for having me first off. Um, quite honestly. You know, with being a D lineman, I think you got two ways to go up or down, right? Hopefully not up. Hopefully not up. You either go up or down. And, you know, um, I figured new city, I got to make sure I fit in all my clothes, you know, everything like that. There's no point in me walking around New York being 330 pounds. There's just no reason for that. And, you know, just scare everyone, dude. you know, um, just developed a couple of good habits, changed the way I was eating, started doing different type of workouts, um, honestly, incorporating some of the stuff that I learned throughout football, but just in a different way. Um, definitely helped on the recovery side. But yeah, man, just just changed my life and changed my diet, changed what I've been doing, lost um, about 90 pounds since my playing weight, which is just crazy. Um, but yeah, man, just, just changed a lot of, a lot of aspects of my life that I really needed to. So it, it's been great though. Just consistency is obviously the biggest thing with it, but it's been really, really good. Listen, good for you. I'm going to let Matt Perkins, yeah. the man, the myth, the legend, 
do the uh, ad reel. But first of all, I was going to say listen, congratulations. That's awesome because that is huge. Um, uh, I, I guess negative huge in this way. You know, you you didn't get huge. You you got you got a lot. You got you got a lot fitter. We're going to talk about that, and we're going to talk about. Um, you know, one of the things you're doing on this path to fitness is the money that you're raising um, for ALS and oh, such a wonderful um, and important cause because it is such a crippling disease in so many ways. Um, and so we're going to talk about that and all the great stuff with Bryson here. But before we do want to remind you guys that we are presented by betonline.ag, where they remain your number one source for all of your online sports wagering needs. You name it. They've got it over there at BetOnline. Uh, NBA playoffs, NHL playoffs in full swing. Bryson, do you have a baseball team? Are you a baseball fan at all? You know, I will say this. I, I am, yes, a baseball fan. I'm a fan of, honestly, anything competitive as, you know, cliche as that sounds coming from baseball in Nebraska. There's not a lot of baseball in Nebraska. Right? So hang with me. I am converting myself, whether this is the right thing or wrong thing, Yankees, Giants, Knicks. I don't know if that's allowed necessarily for a guy from the Midwest to New York. But look, I think it's okay just because Nebraska has no pro sports teams. I never had an allegiance to really anybody um, besides the Charlotte Bobcats when I was like 10 years old. Um, So I have been to a couple of Rangers games, um, about four Knicks games, three Yankees games, um, plenty of Giants games now. So... I'm just going to roll with those teams. I know Rodgers is with the Jets, but, you know, I like the Giants. So we're just going to we're going to roll with that. I'm going to call myself a fan uh, until that changes, I guess. So we're going to let both of us will let you get off the hook, I guess. <laughs> Listen, there's nothing wrong with being a Yankees and a Giants fan. I have a million friends like that. But I was so pumped that you might have been a Mets and a Jets fan. The Ernie, Ernie, here's the thing, though. You might still be able to convert him. He's still young enough in his fandom that he is still susceptible. So maybe you guys, maybe I need to come up. We need to have a night at City Field. You know, have a few I haven't even yet. Exactly. Yeah, I haven't been to a Mets game yet, so I could be swayed, you know? Actually, I have an idea. You guys are up for it. With the fam. You're coming with yeah. us. And on top of that, we're going to the U.S. Open. I know a guy. This uh, In September. <laughs> Let's go. Right. No matter what the sport you are wagering on, though, they've got it over there at betonline.ag. So head on over to the website. Use your mobile device to sign up today. Use our promo co- code BELIEVE. That's B-L-E-A-V, written right here on the shirt. Uh, for 50% off on your first deposit, Bet Online, where the game starts. Bryson, we are going to start because uh, I actually want to start by how we, we connected because I saw that you were running to raise money for ALS, uh, which is uh, a, a cause that hits near to me. And also, you know, I, I saw that, you, you know, you're training, you're getting really fit for it. Um, I want to start there, actually. I, I want to start with what inspired you to start to try to raise money for ALS in this cause. And, you know, so what's your journey been in that? Yeah, so... Honestly, um, like I said, I just wanted to, you know, kind of change my life when I moved out to New York. And um, that obviously involved running instead of just lifting heavy weights all the time it involved running. And I remember, you know, this, I had been in the city for really just three months or so when I saw the New York City Marathon. And it was always in the back of my head just seeing, you know, and just being inspired by all the different types of people that were running this race. I mean, people with 
one leg, no legs, you know, no limbs, and just seeing people just somehow get through it and get through it. And that never left my head. It never left my head. And, you know, as I got more into running, you know, I figured, all right, well, now I'm just running around. I don't know exactly what I'm doing. I figured I might as well try to do some good with it. And so I looked online to the New York City uh, Marathon website, the TCS website, and I saw the ALS pop up, the one of the ALS associations pop up. I said, oh, hold on. I, di- I didn't even know what type of, you know, uh, organizations were involved with this. I said, this is, this is, this is a sign. This is, this is perfect. And I say that um, in 2010, my grandma was diagnosed with ALS and she passed away from it in, in 2012. And, you know, when you're around that, that kind of age, you know, 10 to 12 years old, you don't, you don't remember much, you know, from that time period. And for me, that, that really is one of the only things I remember. You know, I was living in Rockville, Illinois at the time. My grandma was living in Nebraska. I just remember the seven hour, eight hour car ride, just going up there, honestly, as often as we could. And I remember just seeing her health deteriorate and deteriorate and deteriorate. And honestly, you know, thankfully, if anything, through the ALS Association, she was able to um, kind of get some of the equipment that is needed. If anybody knows anything about ALS, you are cognitively still there. Your brain is functioning okay. It's just the physicality of things that you lose. You lose the ability to speak, to do certain mo- to do any type of movement. You know, by the end of it, you you truly can't do anything. Um, but the ALS Association ended up being the organization that provided um, the eye scanner. So, and when my grandma wanted to speak, she could look at the screen and look at certain letters and spell them out. And you know, you know, even talking about it now, it just takes me back to when that was going on. And I think that, and I, and I said this actually the other day on my story, because I'm kind of posting as I go on each week, each week I'm posting, you know, week two, week three, I said, you, you know, you don't have to run. You don't have to really do anything. You get to do these things. You know, I ran seven miles in the rain and I said, you, you, we, we get to do this. And it all just goes back to ALS and it truly taking everything from you. That was one of the hardest things, you know, I had to go through as a kid. I can't even imagine how my mom, I, I can't even imagine how anybody, you know, can really go through that with somebody like a parent, with somebody like a brother, with something like that. You know, I was 10 years old. And like I said, it's one of the only things I can really remember from that time period. And I was so young. I can't imagine being, you know, I'm 23 years old right now. You know, if, if my brother went through that, if, if my mom went through that with, you know, the 23 year old emotions that I have versus you know, the 10 year old, not knowing really what's going on. Um, and so I signed up for it. I emailed them. I said, this is why I would want to, uh, this is why I would want to run. You know, they said they would get back to me. I kept, you know, bothering them with emails and emails. I've never ran a marathon, but I want to do this. Like, please let me do this. You know, have you filled up all the slots yet? They got back to me. They let me in. Um, and so we, we we're going to do this thing. Right. And like I said, for me, I have no problem working out doing the runs, sticking to the schedule every single day. Because I just think back to the people, we're all in the group chat, the people who share their stories. I think about my grandma. I've been talking to my mom about this every day. Um, people at work who have donated to the, to the cause have talked to me about friends, family. It's not hard for me 
to get up and go run in the morning or have a late night at work and go run afterwards because you hear these stories and you just you you just truly take it all in and you feel like you have to do some action and so this is me you know finally grown up finally realizing that I can do something at 10 years old you feel like you can't do anything right this is me helping a great cause doing this for my grandma and I, and quite honestly doing this for everybody that's donated who's ever been impacted by this um you know, I'm telling people now, it's not just me running for my grandma and my family anymore. You know, that was the original what I was thinking, but now it's me running for anybody that's been affected, you know, and, and to hopefully find the cure to this and, and donate to the research and everything like that. You know, we're, we're about $8,300 of the way there, which I am extremely grateful for everybody that, that has donated. Um, it, it really has meant the world. And, um, you know, we're going to try to get to that 10,000. We have, we have time for it. Um, but we're, we're not going to be stopping with, with the running or anything like that. It just means, you know, not so much right now. So wait, so you're running, you're running in November. Yes. November, November 5th. Wow, dude. Good. Hey, there's some badgers running and I'll, I'll definitely get you hooked up with them. Yeah. But wait, go back though, because you started running. What's it like for like a, bigger human being to start this journey yeah you know it's not but chikwe so we had chikwe obasi on yeah. on who was a little bit before you he was a 300 pounder or a 280 290 type of guy and he's running you know 12 13 you know mile races so what's it like for you to be a, a bigger human transition to try to but to do these things i mean you have this goal so i mean obviously that's huge for you right but like What's it like to start that journey? Because there's a lot of people, a.k.a. me, Matt Perkins, who are bigger human beings who don't really want to get on the road. So what's I'm it strong. like, man? What, what, yeah. You know, I, so this is how it works for me because I was never a runner. And and quite honestly, when I when I was done with football that second semester, I gained weight somehow. I gained weight when I was done with football, you know, just because I was hitting the gym like crazy. But I was just lifting and being very slow and not really caring too much because I didn't have a game coming up or really ever again. So what do I need to <laughs> in rush for? I think the biggest switch for me was you know, I, I literally just told myself one time, um, we're just going to get on the treadmill and try to run a mile. You know, we're going to try to run a mile. At, uh, I think it was like a seven and a half pace or something. And I made it about two thirds of the way. I mean, about two seven and a half away. is fast, dude. Seven and a half is pretty moving. That's, it's that's uh, a fast pace. It's um, it's uh, yeah. I tried to go at seven and a half miles an hour, and you know, I was like, that wasn't that terrible. I, you know, I figured that wasn't that terrible. A, I felt very warmed up. Um, it's about an eight minute mile, a little bit under. Eight, yeah, it's seven, about an eight minute. Seven and a half is right around like eight minutes. Like seven and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Um, but dude, think about it. You're three hundred and how many pounds at the time? Yeah, at the time I was like three fifteen when I was trying to do that, dude. If you could do a eight minute mile at three fifteen or three thirty, I would be scared of you no matter what. <laughs> I keep going. I'm sorry I to cut you no, off. No, but like, no, no. I'll get. That's and, a pretty and, impressive feet for you to try. Well, that's also yeah, brutal on the knees. <laughs> it, it was brutal on the Touché. knees, and and that, um, you know, I don't know how much you guys really pay attention to my career. Obviously, I had that knee surgery my sophomore year, so you know, I still feel that sometimes. But like I said, that was the start. Just getting on there and not being able to finish the mile, which was really the start of it. But from there, I figured, all right, well, let's just try to get better at this. I never increased the speed. I stayed at right around seven, went down to like six and a half, tried to build up from basically six and a half and just ran a mile before my workout. And then I added in running a mile after my workout. And I was doing that like 
once or twice a week. Then I went to three or four times. And then I was running at least a mile every day. Um, but the trend, the really good transition came in from when I was trying to run really fast miles to just a little bit more distance on the miles. And quite honestly, that didn't really change until the end of last year going into this year. Um, you know, I didn't run my first five miles straight until I was, um, in Las Vegas at my brother's tournament. And that was in March. That was early. That was at the beginning of March. So that was only two and a half months ago that I ran my first ever five miles. But a week after I ran my first five miler, I ran my first 10 miler. And then another week after that, I just ramped it up to a half marathon basically. And I know, I know that there, you know, there might be actual uh, experienced runners who are saying, don't do that. And I agree 100% because now, like I said, I've been, I've been training for the marathon now. So I've been watching all these videos. Don't do that. <laughs> um, you know, but that, that's but just you also I must have lost a ton of weight too, right? Like what, yeah. what was your health journey like at the same time as you're, as you're building this running? Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's actually a really great, that's a really, really great question. And, you know, I, I tell people this, right. And, and sometimes they think I'm crazy. Sometimes they get it. It depends honestly, if you were an athlete or not, in my opinion, um, I eat basically the same thing every day and have been for months now along the journey. I think along with the journey of running came with, okay, how can I maximize how I feel while I'm running? They were really hand in hand. And so when I started on the job out here, I was like, okay, well, like I said, I don't need to be 320 pounds anymore. Like, let's just eat a little bit healthier. Then when I got to running, I'm like, okay, let's eat even a little bit healthier. Let's not snack. Let's not, you know, instead of eating, you know, maybe like a dessert or something, let's have some type of energy bar because we're going to go run later or something like that. So incorporating small little changes like that, then I started changing my lunch up. Now, when I say the same thing every day, uh, my lunch every day besides the weekends is a bowl of spinach with chicken or maybe some type of steak or something. We have a cafeteria so I can literally get the same thing every single day. And I do a bowl of spinach, chicken and carrots, like baby carrots, you know, and some hot sauce, no really dressings or anything like that. And I've been eating that every day for lunch for, like I said, probably about four or five months now, um, six months, something like that. And I don't mind it. I do not mind it at all. Um, quite honestly, I just am, you know, feeling the best I have ever felt. And so making those small adjustments to my diet, like I said, I took out carbs out of my lunch completely. I took out carbs out of my dinner completely. I carb load in the morning for breakfast. I have, you know, oatmeal with some peanut butter and some eggs. Um, but try to keep light on the carbs. You know, I don't really drink. That's not really my, my thing. I used to. You know, second semester of college, right? Gets away from you. You know, what are you going to do? Not enjoy it? Um, <laughs> we'll go back to that. We'll go back to that. All right. All right. Very good. But yeah, just, no, just change kidding. my diet of bugs, you know, um, and as just basically stay very As we get older, totally, as we get older, the the getting drunk second semester, everybody I talk to who's in their 40s, 50s, and 60s is like, dude, second semester or in college was the best time of my life. Can't do that anymore. <laughs> also, we have these health goals, right? You want to have longevity. Drinking 10, you know, drinking five glasses of wine, 10 glasses, 15 a, a week. 
it's not really what you should be doing. Not saying I can say I can't, I'm not doing that. I'm just saying I'm trying not to do that. <laughs> right. So Bryce, I'm right with you. I just love that you're so like, um, you're like so very good at like the, is that where football came in? Like the schedule, the ability to eat the same thing every day. I eat the same thing every day too. Like I'm not changing a lot. I have a salad. I love it. I try to go as vegetarian as possible only because I, I feel like there's benefits to that, but I'm on the weekends, I'm a disaster. So what do your weekends look like? Yeah. So my weekends honestly are pretty normal. I would say, um, I wake up, you know, on the, on my Saturdays, do my long runs. I love just knocking those out on Saturday morning. So that's when I'm, you know, hitting the, the 10, the 13, 15 mile type runs in the morning on, on the Saturday. And from there, it's really just enjoying my day, enjoying time with my roommates, hanging out. Um, I try not to let, I give myself like one good day, you know, like one good day. If I'm going to like go out, if I'm going to have a nice dinner, you know, something different, I give myself that either a Friday night, uh, but usually a Saturday night once I did those, that long run on Saturday. Um, but here's the thing. And, and here's where I think people, you know, kind of get mixed up is I love having a good time, right? I love going out and, and, and hanging out. You know, I obviously go out with clients just because of my work. Um, I just don't always drink. So when I'm going out, I usually just get, you know, a soda water with a lime in it. And quite honestly, I'm always having a good time no matter what. I don't, I don't, I really don't need alcohol to have a good time. Um, and so my weekends are truly just, you know, going out, seeing the city a little bit, getting those runs in, just really enjoying time. Um, yeah. So like I said, I still, I still love going out, still love having some of those late nights. Um, the alcohol is just not involved and it really hasn't changed anything for me at all. Wait, so I, I, so I had two questions. I want to bring it back to the AOS stuff, but, but I, I know when you jog in New York city, you see crazy things that people are not aware of or know, or even think that it's possible. So I know Bryson, you have one to 20,000 crazy things, please. I'll tell you a crazy thing, but I want to hear what you have first. You can you share or don't share, but no, no, no. You have to share. That's the whole point of you asking. You have to share now. You can't say, yeah. you can't ask them to say share or don't share. Yeah. Um, okay. I, you know, New York really is the craziest place in the world. I don't care what anybody said. It is the craziest place in the world. And it's, it's really exciting because every, like you're saying, every single day, you're just like, Wait, what just happened? What just happened? Okay, so quick, long story short, um, I'm going on a run. Um, like I said, I was I was living in Kibbutz Hill area at this time. I was going on a run to the East River, and I'm running along the East River, and I see, I mean, dozens of firefighter trucks, police cars, ambulances, helicopters in the sky. I'm along the river now, uh, police boats. And I can tell it's brand new because there's nothing gated off. There's nothing. Um, so, you know, I'm curious, right? I'm Midwest curious. So we like to check it out. <laughs> you know, I like to still check it out. And um, I'm walking over there and I see that there's this big car accident on a bridge that can kind of overlook the river. Big car accident on the bridge. And I see this guy. I see a shoe on the ground. I'm like, Wait, are all these people here because somebody crashed their car, ran down this bridge, shoe fell off, jumped in the water? I was like, there's no way. 
There's no way that this is happening. <laughs> People with scuba diver gear on. And as I'm getting closer and closer, I see them pull this dude out of the water. <laughs> and this was like, like I said, this was probably like a month or so ago. So the water was still plenty cold. So in my head, I'm thinking, so this dude was getting chased by the cops, crashed the car, hops out of the crashed car, runs down the bridge. And his best option was, I'm going to jump. And this river, where are you going to go? Where are you going to go? I have no idea. I remember FaceTiming my mom being like, Mom, look how wide this river. People might not get how wide of a river I'm talking about. You're not swimming across it. I was thinking in my head, the only thing I could think about was, what was plan B here? You're going <laughs> to jump in the water? You better hope you get arrested. You better hope they get you. And they got him. They put him on the thing. I ended up giving a cop the shoe that I found, and when I saw him on the <laughs> car, he had the other shoe on the left foot. It was the cra- that was one of the craziest things I've seen just they, going on. They the saved run. that dude's life. They saved his life, you, for sure. That is the current. Everyone's like, "Oh, I could definitely swim across." It's not the English Channel. The current is banana strong, and nobody jumps in. I'm surprised that guy's alive, and so I'm happy you didn't see a dead person. Yeah, no, he honest. was he was definitely alive, and uh, I can't imagine he was in the two. It was crazy though because like you said the current but even yeah even the length of it and just the i mean it's the new york city river like that is just i don't think michael phelps could run that could swim that. i don't know but that guy yeah it's he definitely got lucky getting yeah so that, that's my kind so of Bryson, crazy story that's a crazy thing i've turned the corner in central park once to see a woman squatting in the middle of the field just peeing <laughs> looked right at me didn't stop next stream was still strong and just looked at me like I was the bad person for jogging on a path. And she's in the middle. I, I'm talking about like a field, like a like a like yeah. a football field. Just happy as like just looked at me like I'm a bad person. So there's multiple of that happening oh, in yeah. New York City. Yeah. It, it, the place is bananas. And half the people I think that listen are are either living in New York or have heard these crazy stories before. Um, but dude, I want to bring it back because like. I've known a bunch of people where my dad's run the marathon a bunch. And I think this, this, I don't want to say it's new, but this for a cause is really cool. My dad just usually ran it because he's been running it since the eighties, mm-hmm. I think. And I don't think they really had causes back. I mean, they'd had causes. I don't want to say that, but they right. didn't have like a, I know what you're a saying. cause based jogging or running for something that was, that was meaningful. You mentioned how important this was, but like, dude, you're doing a feat that what ninety percent of America can't do. How much does that mean to you, like to run for ALS and your grandma, but also to do something that's like a feat? Listen, playing college football is amazing. Playing NFL football is fantastic. Not half of those dudes could run a marathon, right? Right. So, I, like, you're doing something that even even um, these um, like outstanding athletes can't do. That's so cool to me, man. I just am, I'm so in awe of you. I, you know, I think I two things that have really, I think, helped me with this process. Two books specifically. Um, one of them was uh, Never Finished by David Goggins. And then obviously his main book that everybody else has kind of heard about was Can't Hurt Me. I think that, you know, those books have really showed me that our bodies are capable of a lot more than we really think. And, you know, like I said, as I ramped up the volume, the only reason I ran that first five miles, the only reason I ran that first 10 miles was 
because of those books and thinking, what can't we do here? What can we do here? Now, the farthest I've ever ran so far is 15 miles, you know, and I understand that a marathon is 26. And so I still have plenty of ways to go to get there. I think that the main thing, you know, besides obviously the, the amazing cause I get to raise money for and, and, you know, contributing to something that's very, very important to me is also just testing to see what my body can and can do. I think that's a beautiful thing. I think it's a beautiful thing to, and that, but even that just goes back to the ALS, right? I think it's a blessing and an opportunity to test your body on what it can and can't do because it can do so, so much for most people and some people it can't. And for me, I honestly just feel like I'm almost wasting myself if I'm not pushing my body. You know, people think I'm insane when I said I've worked out. I've worked out, quite honestly, almost 75 days in a row now, um, whether I'm on vacation, whether I'm doing whatever. And, you know, obviously, I, I think resting is important and all this other stuff. But in my head, I just, I just, it's hard for me to just, it's hard for me to stop right now because I'm, I'm so bought into what can my body do when I treat it appropriately, when I give it the care and nutrition it needs, when I have a real reason? What can my body do? And I have yet to have a full answer to that. And so we're going to keep going on it. Um, that's that. I mean, I just have so much motivation around this and I get it. Motivation can be short lived and this and that. But I mean, I have a million things that I'm really gunning for right here. Uh, uh, so many things that are important for me that quite honestly, I, I just, you know, can't see myself stopping. Um, and for the running, I'm just going to continue to do, um, you know, what I'm, what I've kind of set out to do since, you know, for me, even going back all the way before the marathon training, everything like that, I wanted to change my life. I wanted to change my life. And I have. I really, really have. We're, we're really coming up on the year mark in, in about a month and a half of, of me really dedicating myself to that. Um, and so now in my head, I'm just thinking, where else can we go? What else can we do? Um, and it's been great. The people I've gotten to meet, the people I've gotten to speak with, um, it. Too many great things have came out of me kind of progressing for me to stop. I quite honestly, this there's been too many great things. Listen, it, it's it's uh it's so inspirational. Like it's so cool. Like I want to get out and jog, although I, I'm not gonna jog that far, but I it, it's exciting like to hear you speak of like this passion and what you've done. Dude, people don't realize like you literally changed your entire lifestyle from like a 315 pound man playing football to a 200 and you lost 90 pounds. So Matt Burke can tell me what the math I'm three thirty right now. Pounds? <laughs> I mean, just to be like, dude, to, to drop that much weight and to do it for a cause and to do something dude, jogging's not easy. Like everyone thinks they can do it. Like you said, like you can get on a treadmill for like a half a mile and do it. Literally it sucks. Like I go outside and I, chase my daughter for five steps and i'm like ooh, someone needs a water break over here um dude if you need an ultra marathon eventually when you get to this point you need an ultra marathon sponsor or friend i got a badger for you who loves doing these 50 mile runs with like a team yeah i mean I mean, those are just right like and that's the thing right 100 people miles do maybe that, that. 100 miles like people do it People really do that. And I've never heard about it until I moved out here and started getting into running. I just... Bryce, you want a good book? Born to Run. Born to Run. Okay. It's all about like ultra marathons and 
um, like tribes in like central Mexico that are just, I don't know, they're just, they just run just like hundred miles easy. And then I think the worst thing that I have to, I, I can't, I read the book 10 years ago. The worst thing that ever happened to this tribe was they put shoes on. Cause it was like, they had these sandals that they ran in forever. And then they put like Nikes on and I don't, sorry, Nike could be Adidas or whatever they put on. They're like, it just doesn't, you know, like we use them cause that's all we know. Right. So it doesn't matter that it, it's not that it's neither here nor there. It's just like these tribes like run hundred miles up a run. hill back down. You're like, these guys look like they're not sweating. They're all crazy. 10 guys. Their heart rate would be crazy. their heart rate. It would be like us. I'm honestly almost talking right now. It is the most incredible, incredible so born thing. to run. It's really I'll cool. Check it's it out. A good, Seriously, it's a great I love reading. It's a quick read. Um, I love reading. You know. So wait. So we spent like thirty plus minutes on how amazing your running story is, but we love Wisconsin football, right? So right. We, I, I mean, I feel bad pivoting because I'm having such a good time talking no, about no this. No problem. Um. But you and I are going to have to get an Orange Theory, theory class together. I think you'll love it. Right. Also, the hardest thing I've ever done workout, Tone House okay. in New York City. Okay. I've never, yeah. I, I think I've passed a couple, but never been inside one. Dude, the first thing they said to me was, there's um, three garbage cans. That's the first, like, hey, guys, there's three garbage cans in case you need to throw up. Oh. I'm like, wait, what? Why are we working out that hard? What's going on? I was not in shape either. I was a nightmare. <laughs> the work, the the warm up. I was like literally on the floor dying. Tone house. So if you really want to push your push yourself, try Tone House one time. Okay. Okay. Let's go back to a, a, a smaller little Bryson at the beginning. What's it like? Your tell us how you got into football because now we're running out of time. Yeah. So tell us All how good. you got into football, and tell us like when you thought football was your way to the next level. Okay. Yeah, honestly. Um, so I started playing football when I was six years old in Rockford, Illinois. And, you know, before then I'd been playing basketball. Obviously every kid plays, you know, whatever sports I was playing baseball. I was a big kid, right? You know, I, I, I was a big, big kid, especially when I was like seven years old, eight years old, that first, second grade, I was, I was huge. And, you know, all you have to do was really kind of just be big and you're good at football at that age. And so, you know, that was a sport. I was like, I like it the most. I'm the best at this. I like this the most. Um, you know, my love for football started at a very young age. Like I said, six or seven, just really enjoyed the physicality of it. Just loved the game, but also loved all the sports I was playing. Was, you know, big into basketball, was in the baseball until really middle school. Um, but I always, always, always knew I could and hoped I could make it to the next level in football. Um, I would say the real kind of pivot for that was, was middle school as it is for a lot of kids. Um, I mean, just watching the highlight films of guys like JJ Watt at the time, um, really anybody who, who was good at football. I mean, I was watching not even just, I say JJ Watt, but I was watching wide receiver highlights. I was watching running back highlights, just every, <laughs> like every other kid just watching football highlights. I loved the game. Um, loved the game. And, you know, middle school, like I said, just that's when it that's when I turned it from, OK, like I'm definitely pretty good at football, too. Yeah, we're, we're, we're going to shoot for Division one. Um, like I said, I was in Rockford, Illinois, at the, uh, Rockford, Illinois at the time, moved to Lincoln, Nebraska, um, played only on the freshman team, actually, when my first year in Nebraska didn't, you know, move up to varsity or anything like that. 
But that sophomore year was probably when I had the biggest kind of explosive move up, you know, just, you know, but go back. What was that? What was that transition? Like, like, like football wise, it's almost like, it's almost like coming in as a badger freshman. Right. What was that like? What was that like for you? dude? That's, that's a crazy time. Yeah. I think, I think for a lot of kids too, now, now that I really think about this, I mean, such a great question. Um, the weights, man. The weights and, like I said, that transition from freshman to sophomore year, I think I had a lot of the building blocks as a freshman in high school. I had, like, good size, had good feet because I'd been playing basketball my whole life, good attitude because my parents raised me right and everything like that, um, but really got into weight. I didn't have a car yet freshman year, didn't have much I could do, so I was at the gym. We had a very small little weight thing set up in the basement, um, so I lifted there. I remember... My freshman summer, actually, this is this is how you guys really got me thinking back, which is awesome. Um, my freshman summer, I would just, you know, watch TV and every commercial, I would just bang out 20 push-ups and like 10 squats and like however many sit-ups or something like that. Like every commercial, just because I had nothing else to right, do. So what's a commercial? Never heard of it. <laughs> right? <laughs> JK, JK. Terrible um, joke. Dad joke. Hashtag. <laughs> um, but just started doing that type of stuff. And then, you know, fell in love with working out. You know, not just lifting to you know, try to get big, but truly enjoyed working out. Like, I was very much into working out and, and lifting heavy, heavy weight when I was in high what, school. What, what did you enjoy? But what did you enjoy about it? Because I have the same sentiment. But right. I want to hear what you think. Because it's not a glorious sport or it's not yeah. anything special. There, first of all, there are no, there are no girls. There's like no one to impress besides you and your, your, your teammates right. and your coach maybe. So like what, what drove you? Like what's exciting about working out to you? You know, that's, that's a great, you know, another great question. And um, I think I see it quite honestly, I see it pretty much the same way now that I did when I very first started getting into it that time, that same time period that we were just talking about that going into sophomore years, seeing what the body can do, seeing how far I can push myself. I love, and I, and I will continue to always love getting better, taking the next step, going to the next level. Um, and it doesn't even have to be physically. It can be mentally. That's why I love reading. Right. But just being able, I think weightlifting really is, one of the, especially when you first start, the easiest way to just see improvement and progress over time. Like you can just start to feel better. You start to look better. You start to look bigger. You start to be able to move better. Um, and I fell in love with that. I really, really did fall in love with that. And I, I still am in love with it, quite honestly. Um, but I think that getting that passion, not just for the game, but some of the, like the weightlifting stuff, some of the speed work I was doing back then, like that's what elevated me to that next level um, throughout high school. Cause then I took it from freshman year to sophomore year, refined it, adjusted sophomore year to junior year, same thing. Um, so yeah, I think it was just, I think it was just honestly the love of getting better. Quite honestly, dude, your, your mentality can literally like for all the, what's crazy about the world today and all the things that are going on in college sports and all this other, literally all you're saying is work hard, get better and good things will happen to you. Yeah. And I find that that is that might be lost in the in the sauce or lost in the translation a little bit with with kids, say like kids these days because then I sound so old. Yeah. But like, literally, we were in like the iron gym, like this dump of a gym. You're a little bit young. You're a lot younger than me. Like I was at a gym that had like 
the metal plates that Perkins, you couldn't have been any different. Like you had these metal plates, these dumpy squat racks. We didn't have platforms. Like, I don't even know. Like the place was like, a, it was a, it, it smelled like it smelled terrible. I, I don't <laughs> think a woman has walked through this place in 25 years. So like everything you're saying about getting better, you know, to me, it was getting better. You build so much confidence, right? When you're in the way you could be a, a, a puny human being, but if you're in the weight room grinding, even if you're still skinny and, and a little bit cut, like you're going to feel good about yeah. yourself. It's a PSA. Like just go out and work out. I don't know. Just go find something that's exciting for you. What's it? A 315 pound man could lose 90 225. pounds just by running and wanting to run the marathon. We should all do it. <laughs> Matt Perkins, you lost like 700 pounds. I, yeah, I, I've lost a little weight. I've lost a little weight, my, uh, 65 pounds myself in the last great, what, eight, man. 18 months or so. No, little, you're on 90, you're on so 65, good. and I'm a 20. Yeah. Oh, man. My, my thing was diet. So we have 40 to go. Switching to, oh, I think I'm hungry. I'm just going to drink water instead. And water. You're, you're so right, Matt. 95% of the time, that solved the problem for me. So instead of, especially as someone who works from home, instead of going downstairs and snacking, I'm just, oh, I'm going to have another, like, I have, you know, I'll have my Nalgene. I've got, uh, you know, I've got my White Girl Fabulous Stanley Cup. Like, you know, I'm, <laughs> I've got to have something at, at all times. So, yeah, that's Matt, been the key Matt, that, me. I, I, that, that, I mean, that, that's a great point. I, I do just want to say that real quick is the, the guy who I work right next to actually is the one who told me this. When you think you're hungry, you're not hungry, you're thirsty. And, and I'm that. I can't believe I forgot to even say that point because it is so important. So many times, especially kind of like late at night or throughout the day some sometimes, but really kind of like late at night, you think you're hungry. You just want to snack so bad. You snack so bad. Water, the water and like other liquids are, will really do justice. Dude, so I decided to, I, that was a really I, good point. I got these huge, I, I, I went and got these huge red cups, plastic reds. Here they are. And my wife's like, these are disgusting. I hate them. I don't want ever to <laughs> do with them. And I'm like, but I hate filling my water cup. Like if you have a 12 ounce or a 16 ounce water cup, that's like not even a five second. Si- like that's a sip for me. You that. know, I'm like, I need a 36 ounce something. So I got these huge cups and she's like, I just, you know, like, and they're everywhere around my house. I mean, I carry it everywhere with me. <laughs> um, wait, so attention athletes. Do you want a frictionless and tailored financial planning experience to secure your future? Well, look no further. Introducing Oak Bridge Wealth Management, the premier financial planning firm for professional athletes. Led by wealth manager Chris Anasetti, our team provides a unique and comprehensive approach, ensuring your financial success both on and off the field. We understand the unique challenges you face as a professional athlete, from managing cash flow habits to planning major business purchases and navigating complex contracts. That's why we've developed a proven process working closely with our strategic partners to provide seamless solutions for your unique financial journey. Our services evolve with your career, offering short, mid, and long-term goal setting, portfolio optimization, real estate investments, and more. As you transition to life beyond the field, we support you with career development and philanthropic ventures. But don't just take our word for it. Top NFL players like Chase Boulier, Tyler Biotish, Alec Ingold, and more trust Oak Bridge Wealth Management to guide them towards financial success. Troy Dye of the Minnesota Vikings says, I really love the work that Chris and the rest of the Oak Bridge group do. 
I especially like the honesty and transparency when it comes to setting up financial goals and plans that best fit my needs and situation. It's time to elevate your financial game plan. Connect with Chris on Instagram at OakbridgeWM underscore Anicetti. That's OakbridgeWM underscore A-N-I-C-E-T-E. And join the winning team. So, Bryson, let's go back. So I know we're running out of time, so I want to keep it keep it consistent here. And I love Matt Perkins' next question is going to be the, the question that I love the most is. You can't all right. So I want to ask you a question before this, but Matt Perkins is going to ask you, you came on your visit. Who was your host and how many crazy things you did? But don't go there yet. You're in Nebraska. You're dominating football. How, you know, who's on the board? How did Wisconsin slip in there? Man, this was crazy. I, the, the recruiting thing was was really crazy for real. And I say that because, you know, just uh, the beginning wasn't, right? You get some of the smaller offers. I was going to as many camps as I could, whether it was, you know, college camps, some of the combine stuff I was invited to. I started off getting offers from, like, South Dakota, South Dakota State. Um, I think my first offer ever was South Dakota State. Aesthetic, right? Just like every other kid. Wow, I don't have to pay for college now. That's basically penciled in. I'm blessed. Um, but now you're like, okay, like let's continue so what we can do. And I, you know, did I did my dues. You know, that comes tier got like, you know, a little bit higher than you got. Um, then I started getting like some of the Ivy League schools. Then I got some of the academies. And then my first F- my first FBS offer was uh, Kansas State, which was a great offer at the time. Great offer at the time. I was living in Nebraska. You know, Kansas State was, was is a good school, and, and you know, even now is doing terrific. But you know, they were doing all right. Um, would not have been bad school at all. And so, once I got to Kansas State, now I'm kind of on the radar for teams, right? Now I'm getting invited out to camps. I'm getting the letters. Um, and from there, it was like now I'm getting like Ohio, not Ohio State. Now I'm getting like Iowa State, right? Now I'm getting Iowa. Iowa was my first Big Ten offer. Now I'm getting Iowa. Hold on, I'm a Nebraska kid. Where's Nebraska, right? This was the interesting. That was my question. Yeah, that was, yeah. The, the most interesting thing about my whole recruiting process was Mike Riley was uh, the head coach of, of Nebraska at the time I was getting recruited. He called me into his office, you know, and I'm thinking about time. About time I have an offer. I have all these Division One FBS offers. I live five minutes from the stadium. Like, here we go. He calls me in there. I get a whole tour, all this other stuff, and and we're in his office. And at the very end, you know, he tells me that they're not going to offer me. And I'm there there with my mom just thinking, like, what? Wait. Wait, what's going on? Why why aren't they offering me? Like, hold on. Um, They were interested in another D-lineman, you know, at the time. So they weren't going to go for me. And I remember right there being like, we're going to go to Iowa and we're going to come back and kill these dudes. That's what's going to happen. Um, and not a lot of people. That's in- wild. Dude. Yeah, it, it, it really it really was wild. It was one of the craziest Wait, give things. Give me one second. So you're saying that these guys took you around, yeah. showed you the stadium, showed you everything. And then at the end, we're like, we're not even going to offer you. And mind you, my family's all in. My family is all Nebraska. My family, my yeah. mom grew up in Grand Island. Everything Nebraska, family in Omaha, small town Nebraska, Lincoln, all, like all over the place, right? My family was in Nebraska. 
and I grew up a Nebraska fan because, you know, my mom was a Nebraska fan. So I was watching all the sure. games. I watched, I mean, I just, I, I was a Nebraska fan. I really was. And, you know, hearing that, I was just like, no way. There's no way this is happening, right? And I was like, okay. Not, and not a lot of people know this, like I said, but I committed. I was verbally committed to Iowa. And that's something that not a lot of people really knew. Um, but nobody wants to know it either. Right, right. Yeah. Nobody, <laughs> nobody cares. Nobody wants nobody to, know. to know it. Um, <laughs> I was verbally, I was silently committed to Iowa. You know, I was telling yeah. him, oh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come out and say, no, I was. I was going to come out and, you know, do something. I just wanted to make sure. That surety left when I got the call from Coach Noakes. Um, I was working Parks and Rec at the time. I was this was in the summer now. I was working Parks and Rec at the time, like cleaning bathrooms and doing all that nasty stuff. I get a call. I'm like, what is this? And it was the Wisconsin coach. And they and and Coach Noakes literally gave me an offer right then and there. And I remember hanging, getting off the phone, and, and we obviously talked, you know, a little bit more in depth and everything, but he gave me an offer at the end of the phone call. And I remember thinking, oh, man. Oh, man. Wisconsin, like, I was good, but, like, Wisconsin is just really just different. Like I said, I grew up watching J.J. Watt. Like, that was my guy to watch on the highlight film. And Coach Noakes. I'm like, Coach Noakes, like, Aaron Donald, Coach Noakes, like, hold on. Hold <laughs> on here. Like, we got to we gotta reevaluate the situation. Um, so that obviously just threw a huge bone, a huge, a huge wrench into my, into my plans to commit to Iowa. And I ended up going there. I went, to, I went to Iowa on an official visit. And that was when I was supposed to commit. I didn't commit there. They kind of knew something was up with that when I posted my Wisconsin offer thing like that. Um, and I ended up changing my mind. I really just ended up changing my mind. Um, but that's not where things ended, though. That You would think that's where kind of things ended, right? Coach Mike Riley from Nebraska gets fired, right? This is, this is kind of later on. This is closer to signing debt. This is with probably like mm -hmm. three weeks left of signing debt. Coach Mike Riley gets fired. Coach Frost was still at UCF, and they had just just played in the not their. Uh, it was like some type of championship. I don't know if it was like the American League Championship. Some it was the American they Athletic either. Conference uh, title Man, game. It would have been that, right? I had gotten an offer from UCF. I already been in contact with Coach Frost about uh, UCF. Uh, Coach, uh, I think Bear Root, I think was his name, was was one of the coaches who coached at Lincoln Southeast, which is where I went to school before going to UCF. I remember getting a phone call after that game, after the UCF championship game, and it was Coach Frost. And he let me know that he was coming. This was before it was public. Before it was public, he let me know that he was coming to Nebraska and that I was going to be the first kid he offered. And now that, now we're talking whole, oh, my goodness. Right? Talking about a bone like, that, thrown in the mix. That, wow. That was just the biggest mix-up ever. I, were, I will never forget, and I had to wait. You know, he, he ended up coming to my house basically the, the next day. Had looked like he got barely any secrets. He just won championship, just got announced as head coach. <laughs> um, came into my house for an in-house visit, literally like within 24 hours. 
My mom was a fan of Coach Ross growing up. I mean, she graduated in the same class, I think, as him. Um, so it was a really big deal to have him in the house. I mean, it was crazy, especially me being a Lincoln, Nebraska kid. And I remember posting the offer um, and posting me, myself taking a picture with him and it just blowing up. Just, I mean, I think it got like, you know, 4,500, 5,000 likes or something like that. However many like retweets and something like that. And that means a lot for a kid who's like 17 years old in high school, right? That means a lot. Um, and I just remember thinking like, what are we going to do? You know, what? <laughs> What are we going to do? And, you know, kind of long story short with it all, to be honest, I, and I said this on my, when I not recommitted to Wisconsin, but, you know, kind of affirmed my commitment to Wisconsin was, you know, I'm a man of my word with this stuff. And I didn't want to go back on coach Noakes. I knew I have, I knew I had an opportunity at Wisconsin to play behind Olive, who was an awesome mentor uh, to me. I knew that, the business school, like I said, I wasn't always just completely set on football. My mom always made school an important thing. Wisconsin Business School was awesome. Um, and quite honestly, Nebraska, I really, really wanted Coach Frost to do well there. But I wasn't really buying into a lot of the changes that, you know, and um, how soon that those changes were to take hold, to be honest. I knew that Wisconsin just had something more stable. And I thought I would have opportunity there right away. And I did. Um, and so that's why I ended up choosing Wisconsin. You know, a lot of a lot of people weren't necessarily happy with that, um, but I do think that ended up being the the, regardless of anything that happened, the best decision of my life was to just stick with Wisconsin. There, it was. I mean, you would never would have had a winning season at Nebraska. I would have, have never, never played the bowl, bowl game. game. Never, would never, you know, you know it. Yeah. Wait, they never played in a bowl game for four years? Five no, years. they haven't. No, yeah. I just think, I guess they just crawled under a rock for me because uh, that's, I, I feel bad for them, but that like, I'm happy you didn't make, how do you know that as like a 17 year old? You don't. You uh, honestly could have been the exact opposite, but I knew that I was going to go get to go play with Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> I knew that we were going to get to do something yeah, yeah, yeah. great. <laughs> I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, the my my freshman year, the offensive line was on the cover of Sports Illustrated. <laughs> How bad could we be? <laughs> and we weren't even that great my freshman year somehow. We weren't even good. We lost to BYU my freshman year somehow. Um, we, every team always finds a way. We find a way to lose a terrible team. It find a way. Um, yeah, you, I like, like I said, though, you don't, you don't know that as a kid, but you really can't hope for it. And, you know, a lot of things that I hope for end up kind of coming true for the most part. Um, and like I said, it was, it really was work hard, system. dude. Right. Cause you work hard and you're smart. Well, uh, Matt you got thrown into it, the please. fire quickly because you mentioned Olive and he got injured and you were the next yeah. man up as a true freshman. What is it yeah. like being thrown into the mix at 18 years old against <laughs> guys who are legitimately 24 year old grown ass men? Man, this is great, guys. This is honestly some stuff I haven't really thought about in a while, man. This is, this is really great. Um, man, I just... Here's the thing. I was able to have... We were just so young as D-line my freshman year. My first game starting, I think it might have been me starting. At, this was Rutgers. Rutgers is my first start. It was like me, 
Caden Lyles, who just came over from offense for half a year, and Matt Eddingson, who was a walk-on. I mean, it was – and he wasn't even a scholarship player at the time. Um, this – we were very young and just trying to figure things out. And for me, you know, I was just like, this is what I came in to do, opportunity. So we're not going to get to the place that we came here to be and, and you know, shy away from it. So I attacked head on. You know, I always tried my best to – to practice like I was starting, um, you know, and, and I think that coach Noakes prepared me well. I think that going against an insane offensive line every day in practice prepared me well. I know we weren't great, but all those guys in the NFL, all of them, all those guys that I played with as, uh, as a freshman that were on the offensive line are all in the NFL. We didn't do great, but those guys were amazing players and still are. They're still great across the board. Um, I think I had a lot of preparation going into it. Now, with all that being said, I was still a freshman. I was still 18, 19 years old, <laughs> and I was scared. I was scared to make mistakes. I was scared to do things wrong, um, and that's normal. But it is one of the most exhilarating things ever, taking that step up from being the backup, you know, playing good, going from the backup to not really playing at all as backup to Okay, you're getting good minutes to starting. I mean, the starting, the having your name called before the game, very few, very few feelings like that. And, you know, getting to be a part of it was was really, really cool. It was it was really, really cool. Very, very exciting. Something I'll never forget. I'll never forget the night before in the hotel, before the Rutgers game. I'll never forget running out. I'll never forget my name being called um, on the board. All that stuff. The first start is 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 something that you never forget, I think. Dude, you never forget. It, yeah. it is the coolest thing that could possibly, you know, it, exactly what you're saying, like scared to make a mistake, uh, nervous, scared. It's all the same things. I think every single person who starts, who walks on that field for the first, I felt the same way. I'm like, oh man, am I supposed to be here? Like, am I in the right place? Like, this is not small Westchester football anymore. Um, but it brings me back to, man, hearing you say that stuff and like, being in the hotel the night before scared still and your coach is like dude you're in like are you okay you're yeah. like yeah man you <laughs> can't show this guy. yeah what are you gonna do you're gonna tell your coach <laughs> yeah i'm good um yeah but i mean <laughs> it was just me and matt and i just go back to how young we were man it was me and matt and matt matt is a great friend of mine now i mean not now like because he's obviously been for four or five years now um, but even now, I mean, he's one of the few guys I talk to at least a couple times a week, pretty much. Um, even to this day, now he's with the Broncos and all the long stuff. It is, I just remember being in a hotel with him, just being nervous in there, man. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, it really is, you know, just like you said, one of the few feelings you can get out of life. It's, it's great. So we we have a couple more minutes. What's it like? Tell like tell like the people who are listening who who don't know what it's like to step on the field at at Camp Randall on a game day, see jump around like, dude. Even the crap music they played before a game gets me amped today, dude. That is bananas, ba. And I'm like, that song gets me ready to run through a wall. And I hated it at the time, but then you buy into it and you're like, I kind of love this song. Or, or um, not let the bodies hit the floor. What's a song that doesn't make any sense, like? Woo-hoo. Oh, like, song, 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 
You know, like yeah, the, song these two things by were playing Blur. before it's, a game. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's like, what's it like to be on the field? All these people. There's like what eighty thousand people who are like, we want the Badgers to win. It is really an experience like none other. But what was that like for you? You know, it's it really is just so hard to explain unless you've been in the moment and and been a part of it. It's just, you know, running out there, obviously you just run through the smoke. So there's that half second where you just see nothing but kind of fog and, and maybe one person ahead of you. You hope you don't hit a cheerleader. You hope you don't hit somebody in the band. <laughs> And as soon as you, or you might hope you do, or you might hope you do. Um, but as soon as you clear out of that smoke, as soon as you clear out of that initial part, you just see everybody there. I, oh man, it is just the craziest feeling. You want to just scream and just like let all your emotion out. It's so hard because you need to kind of obviously keep it in. Um, but nobody ever dies. I remember just running <laughs> as fast as I could and just yelling and beating my chest and this and that. But let me say this, though. I got hurt my sophomore year, right? And so I wasn't able to run out of the tunnel for basically a whole year. I had to come out with my crutches. I had to come on my crutches on the side. I couldn't even go through the middle. I had to come out through the side, take the long way around, right? The only better feeling than when I ran out that very first time as a freshman was when I fully ran out, fully ran out again my senior year. And I don't, and I don't say my junior year because of COVID. COVID made everything different, right? My senior year, having the fans back, being 100% healthy, Feeling confident with Coach K, loving the game again, loving every part of Madison, enjoying life, knowing I, uh, I my 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 internship, everything before that that summer before having my life somewhat lined up, just being in a good spot and knowing that that's going to be my last season, my last first tunnel run out. Nothing better, nothing better than that. Because I was you can't even bottle it up. Yeah the, yeah. the first time you run out, you you love it because you're so excited. But for me, after being injured, everything I just listed, having a huge part of gratitude with the excitement, with the anticipation, with the there's nothing, there was no better feeling. I don't think I've honestly I've very had very, very few better feelings than that, just in life in general, than than that last. First run, and I'll tell you, of my you're, not, season. you're not going to. Yeah, you're you're not going to, because, uh, um, dude, you never take it for. I love the gratitude aspect, right? Like, you're you're so thankful to be there, but you're so excited, you're so lucky to play for football for Wisconsin, you're so fired up beyond. Like, dude, I there's nothing in life in that right now that gets me as fired up. There, I mean, there's just what can I possibly do to be as fired up to play in a football game, like. I love my daughter more than anything, but like I can't be that fired up to just hang out with her and play with toys. Like it would be like me going crazy. Like, so, uh, dude, it just it, it brings back all those like raw emotions of like literally running out. It could right. be any team. You could be playing the worst team in in the whole entire state, yeah. or the whole entire nation. You're like these people came to see me. Like right. it's like gladiator. Like I gotta be. I gotta be that guy. Right. 
but it's and, just exciting, man. And, and, it is nothing. You can't explain it. Yeah. And, and that's the, but you know what? That's the best part. You know, people say that sometimes like you'll never get this feeling back again. And, and they almost say it in like a negative light. That's the best part about it. That's the best part about it is you have to enjoy it at that, that time because you're not going to get it again. And that's the, that, that to me is what's beautiful, you know, about things like that and about life is you just don't always get it. There's always going to be a last version of that. And like I said, people hear the, people hear the word last and, and they're like, oh man, like I don't get to, that's what makes it so beautiful though. If I was running out of a tunnel on my way to work, or if I was running out of the tunnel every single day, it wouldn't be worth anything. Or nobody would care. That'd be kind of cool, though. Yeah, you can run out of subway. Cool. You do right run out. Of, sometimes you run out yeah, of subway. subway as fast as <laughs> you got to get out of that uh, subway sometimes. Sometimes. Um, no, I, I really, really just, yeah, like you said, the gratitude is always huge with me in, in a lot of things in life, and especially during that time period, especially after the injury. Uh, I was so thankful and so happy just to be running out of there again and, and getting a chance to play the game. Uh, that I love and um, no feeling like it. Let's see, done. No feeling. All right. Well, we don't have you for very much longer, but I am going to finally get some questions in, Bernie. Uh, I'm going to <laughs> go a little rapid fire here at the end. So, uh, first of all, Bryson, biggest physical freak you played with at Wisconsin? Whew. Great question. Oh, man. Um, biggest physical freak. You know, I feel like I just kind of have to say Josh Seltzer, maybe? Like Interesting. I I and I say him because he's just built like a fridge. And I yeah, I'm that I'm gonna lock that in. I'm gonna lock in that answer because he was so strong and even out, I mean, he was just weight room strong, but also football strong. You know, if you played the game, you know there's a difference. Sometimes can be extremely strong in the weight room, and they don't even really hit that hard. Going against him in some of the drills was one of the worst. Was honestly, and this might have been my downfall. Right, it was just like I did not look forward to it. I didn't. I get it, guys. A lot of guys who get to that next level like loved it, hitting and the head bang and all this other stuff. I didn't love going against them. Call him <laughs> what you want. He was huge. And I could push him as hard as I want. He's not going anywhere. He's not going anywhere. He was a freak. Could clean the house. Could bench two houses. Could squat whatever he wanted. Um, him, Isaiah Mullins, even though he's so tall, can squat so much. Can somehow over clean. Seven, and- I saw him do 700, I think, last summer. And he's like six seven, four. six eight. It's, it's, he, he's definitely talking six four. He's he's tall as hell. He might not be six or seven. Milk? Mullins or ladder milk? I'm talking. I'm talking Mullins. Okay. M- Mullins, Mullins got to really? be at least six five. Mullins got to be at least six five because Henny Maddingson claims to be six tall. four. No, we're gonna see some of these guys at Squat Fest here in June, which I'm very excited about. Um, second question. Mullins so, is just a big strong dude. Selster, <laughs> Selster. Also, my next question is going to be: Who was who was the best blocker? Who was the toughest guy to get by as a blocker? Uh, toughest guy to get through. You know, I, I just got to give this one to Biotic, and I, I'm talking one on one pass rush. Obviously, I was the nose guard. I say Biotic <laughs> just because 
you know, he was so good that he didn't always try his hardest, in, in my humble opinion. Um, but, like, as soon as he was frustrated or something like that, I mean, good luck. Good luck. Olive did some beautiful things that made it look easy sometimes. I mean, Olive, Olive could just move so fluid with his body that he could get around anybody, and sometimes he made Biaz look like whatever. But for me, out of the centers I went against, and even including like some of the guards, Biadish, when he was really going with his hands and his feet, there was just sometimes I just felt like, yeah, I'm not, I don't know what to do here. I'm not going to bowl him. He'll throw me to the ground somehow. Good luck getting around him. He's moving his feet like a ballerina. It's that, that I, he was just, he's really that great. He, he, he's a really, really solid, solid player. Favorite class you took at UW? Oh, you guys are awesome with this. I'm telling you guys, you guys' podcasts are really great. Dude, I don't even have an answer for these. Um, my favorite <laughs> class, um, I would say philosophy. I took I took a philosophy class. You know, it was more of like on the meaning of life and all these different like, like scenarios. Um, it was a class that really, really made me think. A class that I did not think I was going to enjoy that I really end up liking a lot and took a lot from a lot of a lot of thinking from that i read a lot of books on kind of human development human psychology like i said i'm always trying to keep my mind wired in that way and i honestly think that that was one of the first pathways into that was taking uh um one of those uh philosophy classes all right uh last question uh it is saturday night you guys have just won a game uh where is bryson williams spending his Saturday night um, after he has turned 21. One, we could have <laughs> lost the game. I'm going to tell you the same answer. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> College club. College club. I was there. And you know what? A lot of my teammates weren't there. They were at probably Wando's or something. They were at, A lot of my teammates like to go to Wando's. And so... I was one of the few football players, not obviously there was plenty of them there that ended up showing up, but I was one of the few football players there sometimes, and I loved it. I loved it. I could have done almost nothing in the game, and you would have thought I was something crazy. Everybody was saying, good game, good game, this and that. Um, no, that's just where a lot of my friends went. It was just always, always a great, great time. Um, like I said, there were times that we lost the game, and I was still there. Um it was it was always you know just a, a lot of fun a lot of Follow fun. Follow up question: there. What's going on? Let's say uh, in a specific year, uh, Coach Alvarez says you can't go back to the college club. What does a Bryson Williams do at that point? Because I'll tell you what I did. I did go back, and then I used to start peppering in going back incognito. And if you ever saw a football guy, you're like, "Yo, I didn't see you here." But what happens when you're not allowed back at the college club because there was someone who did something really stupid in 2003? <laughs> you know, I, it, you wanna, it, just going off of this, and, and golly, man, this is so funny. I remember this was I uh, can't wait to tell you this story offline, though. This is a bad story, but I'll tell you it offline. But I, you went, well, I'm just, I, I mean, not really that bad. It's not really that bad. Like, no one got hurt. It was just really some, you know, like a knucklehead football player. But Bryson, please keep, keep going. So I, just a quick story on something kind of like that. This was during COVID. This was the COVID season. And this is like when everybody was getting COVID. They were talking about like shutting down the season again. Like we just kind of started up. We weren't supposed to be out. 
We were not supposed to be out out doing anything. And I went to Chasers. I was at Chasers 2.0. And I remember getting and I went to and I was out having a great time. And I remember getting called into the coach's office the next day. I'm like, all right, whatever. I get in there and somebody had tweeted at at Wisconsin Badgers. Some dude tweeted at Wisconsin Badgers talking about saying, oh, like something about the football team trying to be extra safe. But and he tagged me. I didn't even check social media at the time yet. He tagged me at Bryce Williams at Chasers right now, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, oh, my God, there's no way. And so I did get <laughs> caught up one time. We weren't supposed to be out. I was just enjoying it. And the guy tweeted at me. I thought it was the craziest thing. Like, come on, dude. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I really got to do that. Listen, you know what? You're, yes, yeah. that is lunacy. But at the same time, like, you gr- you're growing up in this age of, like, anyone could say anything about you on social media. And the coaches could see it at any time. I have a million questions about this because when I Facebook just started when I w- was in college, right, Matt Burke? Yeah, when, when we, we were in college, college uh, two thousand and four. So you, yeah, you were a ju- junior, senior. I was a freshman. Like, all you could do was friend people, yep. like, and you, you could poke them. Doing, you could poke them, which poke. is now completely inappropriate. <laughs> um, it depends on what you think poke is. I, I think it's one thing. It's not like. Hey, Bryson, <laughs> nice to see you. And it's not what I thought it was. Um, <laughs> I didn't use it in that way, I guess. Right. Also, um, so, sorry, uh, Allie's mom, my wife's mom listens a lot. But this is like 20 years ago, and don't worry about it. Um, but, dude, growing up in this age, Bryson, I know we got to go. You got to wake up early. But, dude, what the hell is it like to always have to be aware of, like, this social media that someone's saying, you shouldn't be here. Look, he's here. That to me is, I can't even wrap my head around it. I think the craziest thing about, you know, what, what we're kind of talking about now is even just from my freshman year, it's in a whole different place. Recruiting's in a whole different place. Transferring's in a whole different place. Social media is in a whole different place. So my answer might not even be, sufficient for what's going on now because social media is is the biggest part of quite honestly is the biggest part of, of college sports for now is social media i mean it's how it dude, it's a couple it's, years ago isn't that crazy it, it's only bit yeah like i said like it like for me i it, everything's just so just so so different um honestly i never really worried about you know the the social media impact too much um obviously there was like a lot of negative things but that was never anything new now it's you know, it's you got to make sure that anything in your past that might be kind of whatever, it has to be gone. It has to be gone. You have to make sure that you are not in the wrong place at the wrong time because anybody and everybody has their phone out no matter where you are. And that was something I never really was too concerned about with recruiting when I was a freshman or anything like that. Like I said, I only had one instance. Um, but now it's all over the place. And I, I can't even imagine, you know, some of the difficulties that that brings. But you just got to be, you got to be extra careful, I guess. It's like, what do you say to the coaches when they're like, hey, you were at Chasers 2.0? I was like, 
Yeah, I was there. <laughs> I said, I said, look, I. They said we don't. We didn't want you going out. We you know we told everybody not to be going out. And you know, for me, like I said, I'm a man I wear. So I, I wasn't gonna be them. Like, no, it wasn't me. Like, I was like, look, I'm 21. There was literally nothing else to do in this city right now. I don't love playing video games. I just want to go have fun. You know, we're we're with so many people now like everybody's getting sick anyway that was what i was trying to say um blah 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 they didn't love it but at the same time they weren't they just told me not to do it again like i said it was one of those things that I was like and did i do it again i guess we'll never know no other tweet you know who would have been standing next to you in all those times me if i was playing <laughs> the amount of times not... i went to the right oh man dude it, i would have been like bryson who never heard of him coach what are you, you're saying there's a guy on our team who's been at the college club and there's a picture of us tagged on Twitter? I never heard of Twitter either, Coach. Dude, I was like, I was the most lie and deny till you die. That was my, uh, our quote we lived by in high school. Like oh, you did that, right? And I'm like, no, never heard of it. You just I mean, pulled a shaggy no. and said it wasn't me. It wasn't me. That's great. That was great. But I was never That was caught. really great. I was never caught. Dude, on the, on the no. counter, it wasn't me. Like, I was never caught doing anything. One time I was, but it, but it was legal. Like, you were allowed to, like, go out at night. Right, right. right. More stories, Bryson, for you and I. Seltzer water and the lime in uh, New York City sometime. There's a lot. I'm sure there's a lot of good, funny things we cannot share to the Well, pump. we've got oh, a shoot. lot more stories to share. We're just going to have to have him back for a part two sometime. Um, we are going to link to your fundraiser for ALS so uh, in the show Thank notes. You. Bryson, where can people find you on social media? Uh, Bryson Williams one is my Instagram. Um, it's really the only kind of social media I use the most part. Bryson Williams on Facebook. Uh, Bryson JW18 on Twitter. Um, but obviously the most important thing there, if, if anybody listening to this wants to, you know, you know, truly help and support the, I'm happy to hear the link will be attached and, um, you know, would really, really appreciate any help there. It really means a lot. So, um, Dude, you got a blue check mark. Yeah. I got a blue check mark. Damn. Bro, you are a courtesy the football team. Courtesy the football team. You know, wow. so. I'm just, I'm proud of you, man. Listen, uh, what day is the marathon? November fifth. We got some time. So, listen, if I can get out there, and uh, where are you going to be on, like, let's say, like mile thirteen? What do you think? I have no idea. I have no idea. I'm I'm tracking for my my goal is three forty five or less, which is about an eight thirty pace, which is you know kind of crazy thing. If I couldn't do that first mile at seven and a half, now I'm planning on running twenty six at that pace. Um. That's that. That's my goal, and that's what I'll be working towards. Um, Good but for you, dude. Seriously, thank thank you guys again so much for having me. You guys, are, you guys are killing it on on the podcast stuff right now. The, the questions were great. You guys' stuff is very entertaining. Um, love the wider range of you know variety of, of cats you guys have on here. Um, so thank you for letting me be a part of it. it really means a lot, guys. Listen, Bryson, thank you, man. Uh, your your story is fantastic. What you're doing. I could spend that hour of just listening to you talk about your workout routine and like your running and why. And um, it, 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 all of our experience have some like, let's say collaboration, some like of the same, right? Like you were at the college club. I was there 15 years earlier. Like these things make us all feel good about why we came to Wisconsin and running on the field and all these things and the coaches. And 
So it's just a pleasure to have you, man. I'm so pumped you're in New York so I can actually come and hang out with you. Yeah. There's no New York. There's no New York football guys. Like, no. there's no football guys in New York. No, no, there's not. There's not. And I didn't even know you were nope. Westchester, You got great. tip in now. You got tip now. Really do it. He's in Jersey. Yeah, he is in Jersey. But, but you listen. Listen, we got yeah, to maybe He's that in would be the way we get Bryson to be a Jets fan and not a Giants fan. Not like I mean, like if but if you are a Jets fan that you just you have I'm a Bills fan, so you, you might lose me just a little bit on that one. But you know, I, I won't hold it against you too much. We won't hold it against you guys and gals listening to whatever pro team you listen to. We know you love the Badgers. We know you love Bryson. We know you love Bernie. Uh so here on Believe in Badgers, presented by betonline.ag, we appreciate you listening. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review wherever you are listening. Uh, all of our episodes are on YouTube. Make sure you're checking out and subscribing to the to the podcast on YouTube to see Bernie's beautiful face in all of the shows. Uh, we'll be back later this week with Daria Gumbawale and Hugs Etienne, uh, part two of our four-part series with the guys from Vibes Golf. And then on Monday... Uh, one of my most exciting, uh, one of the most exciting uh, episodes for me coming up, uh, Chris Mad Dog Russo is joining us on the show, and this is going to be a blast. He is a, a sports media hero of mine, so Bernie, we are going to have a lot of fun with Mad Dog. Speaking of New York legends absolute who hasn't legend. listened to him like his whole time growing up, but also who forgot about him? Me, I'm sorry. I feel terrible. But uh, Matt Burkett hit me with like, the, do you know who Mad Dog is? I'm like, I think I hung out with that guy in college. But Mike and the Mad Dog, yeah, I know who that is. <laughs> Once you give me like the whole line, I know who it is. I'm like, the Mad Dog? So I drank plenty dog, of dude. Mad Dog in college. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> but Mike and the Mad Dog, we I think we used to prank him when I was in high school. So it'll be fun to talk to him. That, uh, that'll be a good time. It'll be a lot of fun. So we appreciate everyone <laughs> tuning in here. Uh, to the Believe in Badgers podcast on the Believe Support Podcast Bryson. Network, presented by BetOnline.ag. Support Bryson Williams, and until next time, on Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. On Wisconsin. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.